episode 199, The Denver Experience. This is the Ericast for the week of November 18, 2012. From Ericast.com. Welcome to the Ericast. All right. 199. We're, oh, we're so close. Hmm. Uh, welcome to the Aircast 206-339-3742, the listener feedback line, Eric Larson, et cetera, et cetera. You kind of know the drill. I need, you know, and you'll remember, long-time Aircast listeners will remember that I used to complain about Hank Hanegraaff, the Bible Answer Man on the Bible Answer Man broadcast. So, whatever, I forget whatever the catchphrase or tag, tagline or whatever it was, but it sounded so dry and just stilted and rehearsed and dull. And now I'm the same way. I really, after how many years? Or seven years? Thanks for listening to the Aircast. I'm your host, Eric Larson. 206-339-3742. The listener feedback line. I was like, oh, come on. So, sorry. I'll I'll try to... I suppose I could just say the same stuff and put, randomly put the emphasis on different syllables and see what happens. Anyway, please do call. Because I really... You know me. I The... Your calls would keep me going. They do. Uh, so I said last week that I was going to hold over till this week. So now I've got to think back to the, to what the Denver experience was. But that I was going to talk about the 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 trip experience of going to Denver. So that's that's what we're going to dive into here. We'll see how long this goes. Might be really brief. Might be super long. And actually, it was at it was dinner with colleagues on on the Thursday night. Remember, it was a uh, so I flew out on election day. So I voted on Tuesday the, the 6th or whatever. Um, and then flew out. Then flew back on Friday. So it was Thursday night. Thir- yeah, the, the second to last night. Because the conference was Wednesday, Tuesday, Thursday. You don't care. I'm sorry. It doesn't matter. Uh, th- talking about you know, like the conference timing, how I don't often do, do these things. I'm not really a big travel guy. I mentioned going to Educom before they merged with Cause and became Educause in 1997, right when I was hired on full-time as a PC LAN specialist, is what it was called back then. And they were the conference was being held in Minneapolis. And uh, so my boss at the time, who actually, ironically, was at this conference as well. So that... Hmm. Anyway, had said, oh, you really need to get to this conference. I'm like, oh, I, you know, whatever, I don't know. And she said, no, no, this is, this is, we'll, we'll pay for you to go. There's really no excuse to not go to this conference when it's here, because you don't have to pay a hotel or travel or anything. It's just, and it was really good. So that was 97. And then I went again in 2000. But I, so it really should have been like, you know, 98, when you think about that. So let's pretend it was 98. And then I went again in 2005 when I moved over to our web and media services department. And just kind of, you know, get reconnected into that instructional design world and that sort of thing. That was down in Orlando. And then, now it's 2012, and I went there. And he said to me, you know what, Eric, this is kind of like your sabbatical. And I realized it sort of is, because every seven years I go to the Educause conference. So that was kind of intriguing and got me wondering what will be going on in 2019, <laughs> which is what seven years out is. It's like, oh, man, 
will any of us be alive then? That's like a million years away. So, I am not a big conference person. And the... I, I've done a little bit more flying than just the Educause conference, but um, I was thinking to to was it August, late July or early August of two thousand and one when I was at the MacWorld conference back when I did more direct support and and supported Macintosh heavy departments. That conference was in New York, so let's think about New York in late summer two thousand and one. Yeah. So, um, I actually did think at that time, we had gone earlier, Ruth and I went to the um, the Empire State Building, you know, kind of, you know, duck out during the lunch hour on the conference, because she was able to tag along, you know, same hotel room and stuff, it works out that way, and then, uh, you know, for a basic conference fee, she was able to to go and participate, that was really cool. And so in 2001, I, I actually remember being at the Javits Center and looking all the way down to the Twin Towers down at the, the south end of the island and thinking, you know, should we go down there and, you know, catch a subway down or something and do the tour? Like, yeah, you know, I just want to I just want to get out and get home. So maybe next time. And dun dun dun. There was no next time. So yeah, I, I kind of do have this sort of conference foreboding thing going on. It's a little little a little unhealthy, maybe. So I will admit, this is a great thing about having a podcast that no one listens to, is you can actually like you know say things out loud and admit them, and nobody knows or cares. That I was flying out to Denver um, on the the morning of November sixth at thirty some thousand feet, looking out over the over the landscape over Nebraska or however the flight comes in. I will admit, I was thinking, I don't want to do this. Now I know why I don't do these things. I don't, I don't, I just don't want to do this. <laughs> I'll, I'll land, I'll go, that's fine. I can't wait to be home, and I just want to go home and hunker down in my basement and hang out with my family and do really simple things in the Minneapolis-St. Paul metro area. I'll be honest, that was that was my feeling. Well, that feeling changed. Now, it didn't change to the, oh, this is perfect and I never want to leave Denver and, you know, whatever. No, but it, um, I was glad to go. I was very glad for the experience. I was happy to come home. It kind of was what it was. So, um, yeah, part of me, I... I I don't think I'll replay Matt's call from last week, um, but where he touched on the you know going to Denver and not really sightseeing, that was sort of um, that was sort of my my thing too. It's like I'm not I'm not not really here for the sightseeing thing. I just do the conference thing. So um, let me tell you a little bit about Denver. I enjoyed Denver uh, just fine. It was a, a great venue. The hotel that I had was on the 16th Street Mall. Actually, I won't even go that far. I will back all the way up to say Denver reminded me a lot of Minneapolis. It just it just did. So if you've been to Denver, then that's, I would say, kind of like what Minneapolis is like. And if you're one of my local listeners and you kind of know what it's like to be in downtown Minneapolis, that was kind of what it was like to be in downtown Denver. So there, you know, for what it's worth, there you go. 
um, the hotel happened to be right on the 16th Street Mall, which is a pedestrian and bus mall. Um, Minneapolis, downtown Minneapolis, has the Nicolette Mall, which is a pedestrian and bus mall. Though they actually do let taxis and things on it. This this was purely just um, just the official Denver buses. But you know, it's a shopping mall and there are stores and things, whatever. The buses, they, they hop on, hop off. I really did. I didn't think that something this minor would, would matter, but I really was impressed with the... Um, the buses with like the big side doors, you know, the low step on, step off. Um, you don't really have to like climb up through the single door in the front, but they're 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 more um, train like buses. I wouldn't think that would make a difference, but it actually did. It was kind of surprising, but kind of cool. So it was nice, you know, hop on, hop off. Um, I don't know what the politically correct way of... I guess there is none. But again, a podcast that no one listens to, so you can say what you want. They say that Denver has a pretty substantial homeless population, and it it really does, or at least it has a pretty substantial panhandling population. I don't know if they're homeless or not. But you really can't go... I had a couple experiences where I was able to go out and go more than the block and not have someone hit me up for money. But, um, yeah, that's the, the panhandling thing, which I just, I, I don't, I, I like my space, you know, I just, that's, that, I don't like that. Maybe that's a character flaw in me, I don't know, but that just, that was not, um, that bothered me more than it bothers some people. I'm sure some people find that, uh, hey, it's a way to meet new people. That's not how I approach that. Maybe we'll, we'll, if we do decide to go, I think we've got to go past episode 199, because there's no way that I'm going to end the podcast on me just randomly talking about a city that's not mine. Huh. Oh, anyway. So, that's that. Um, the demographics are pretty much the same. For the... Um, for the irresponsible, disengaged racists in the audience, I don't think there are any. Um, if so, let me know. 206-339-3742. How's that for a segue? Um, I heard... So, you know how I do the um, that, that KU band satellite thing? The free-to-air satellite? There's a lot of strange stuff out there. And one of them, I, I, I could look it up, I really don't want to. There is an actual, genuine... Um, they don't call themselves like the racist network, but that sort of is their 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 mo. Um, kind of a white supremacist thing, but with slightly better PR. And so you surf through this stuff, and you you bumble into these things. It's like, well, that's uh, it's a radio program. Well, that what? So you know, listen to that for a minute or two. And they made some comment about some some whatever that was going on up here in um, in Minnesota. And they said, you know, Minnesota, way up there in the north, they've, you know, what do they know? They've never even seen a black person. Well, that's really kind of silly because um, we have a very, very diverse population up here. Uh, yes, it is, you know, the, the majority, you know, white, fine. Um, but we have a, um, a fairly large African-American population, um, a large 
Somali pop- population. For, I don't know why. Uh, <laughs> it's got to be a reason. There's got to be a very interesting story behind it. Um, and th- for the same reason, uh, a, f- a large um, Laotian and Hmong population, um, more in St. Paul of Minneapolis, but point being, we have a, we have a very healthy amount of diversity, um, which I think is a good thing. Denver was a little bit more homogenous. Um, it just... Uh, you know, I mean, headcounts and things don't don't matter. Though, you know what's funny is I thought maybe I was just imagining things, so I did check um, the official areaconnect.com statistics. I was just kind of curious um, that the Denver um, African American population is. Um, 11.12%, and the Minneapolis African-American population is 17.99%, so 18%. So 11 versus 18%. Um, and that's, I mean, that, it was sort of a noticeable difference. Um, sort of a... There is a um, greater Native American population in Denver, though... Um, also, uh, the broad population uh, in in Minneapolis or downtown Minneapolis as well. Um, the stats don't quite bear out that that much of a distinction. But point being, it struck me as really it made me appreciative of the diversity that we do have here in Minnesota, because you don't think of this being a very diverse state, and I suppose statewide it might not be, um, but. And I'm just thinking, gee, I could do a whole future podcast on that. And the more I talk about it, the more I think I guess I've got to keep going past episode 200. But I don't know. 206-339-3742. Let me know what you think of that. But sort of diversity for diversity's sake. And that gets into a whole bunch of really loaded and really volatile topics of you know affirmative action and this and that or whatever. And so we don't necessarily need to go there in, in the sense of, of workplace hiring or whatever. But just the idea in, in leadership, in, um, in organizational structure, etc., that a diversity of perspectives and opinions, I could make the case that I think that's inherently good because the variety then allows for a better more thorough investigation of different ideas if you've got different perspectives um, I don't know that'd be an interesting topic so I so I noticed that uh, just as a as a data point struck me as kind of interesting but other than that I mean just in terms of of um, buildings age of uh, of the of the structures uh, the downtown the downtown feel the mix of old and new it just it felt a lot like downtown Minneapolis. So uh, there was that part of Denver. Uh, the weather was great. What was really kind of funny is I had a couple colleagues decide to stay an extra couple days where I I, I flew back, um, came back on Friday. That's a story. We'll end with that story. That was an interesting story. Um, Saturday our high was I think we set a record of seventy. Um, I know on uh, I tweeted this out that on our you know car thermometer it was like 68 or whatever. Whereas in Denver they had snow and a low of 18 or or 20 or something. Now what's also interesting 
is that night when the front came through here, um, I'm assuming other people have the same kind of weather stuff where you have a major weather shift by a front coming through and it just moves from west to east and there you go. There were two tornadoes, one here in Egan and one just a, a couple miles south in Burnsville um, where we have a lot of friends. Um, they were EF0 tornadoes. But yeah, we had um, the friend's uh, roof torn off, not like shingles blown off, like chunks of the roof torn off. Um, and those those tornadoes have like 80 to 90 mile an hour winds. And if that hits your house, that's it's not big, but if you're the house that's hit, that's bad. So that's one of the drawbacks of having 70 degree temperatures in November, the day before Armistice Day, the whole Armistice Day blizzard thing. Uh, is then <laughs> tornadoes pop up when the front comes through and the temperature drops. And now we're, you know, end up in the 30s and 40s or whatever. Okay, so back to Denver. Got to get my mind out of Minnesota, go back to Denver. So on the, I, I seriously thought about renting a car on that Friday and driving west because Denver is not in the mountains. Uh, I think this this occasionally surprises people that Denver is on the plain to the east of the mountains and you got to drive, you know, 20 minutes west before you hit the mountains. And part of me thought, well, the super shuttle is only 20 bucks, but a cab would be 60 or 70 and for that amount of money I could just rent a car and then drive over there and then swing around to the airport because the airport's way on the east side, even further out. Hmm, do I want to do that or not? I don't know. Hmm. So I thought about that. And then I decided to not bother, which is just as well. And what I did on Friday, uh, the conference ended, got all checked out and everything, is hopped the shuttle, went all the way down to the Capitol. So the Capitol has the step marked one mile, like the mile-high step, though that actual mile-high marker has moved a couple times, depending on various surveys and remeasurements, which made me think of something. So here's a question. Um, it's only moved from when the capital was built in 18-whatever until it was surveyed with GPS equipment in 2000-something. It's only moved like a few feet. Like It's a difference of like three feet in height or you know, whatever, something like that. How on earth in the 1800s in Denver, which is in the middle of the country, I mean, I understand you could do this with little those little transom-level deal things if you were you know in... You know, San Francisco, figuring out how high you are above sea level, you could do that there. But how do you figure that out at all in in the middle of a country? I just, it's just it just boggles the mind. So I uh, went to see that little mile high step. That was cool. Uh, went to, uh, to pop my head in the the Denver Art Museum. Uh, went to the gift shop. They have nice stuff in the gift shop. Didn't really feel like money paying money to to take a whirlwind tour of their art. I'm sure I missed some spectacular piece of art that someone's going to tell me, oh, you should have gone in and seen the such and such, but I didn't. Um, avoided the guy that wanted the extra dollar to go on the bus, which would have been fine if he'd looked like he was at all intent on going on the bus, but he was in you know, it 
totally different world, wandering some other direction, and then saw me and stopped in his tracks and said he was dollar short for the bus. I'm thinking, you know what? If you really are seeking a dollar for a bus ride that you need right now, wouldn't you be able to be a bit more intentional about finding that as opposed to just randomly having that pop into mind when you see somebody? Oh, I forgot I was looking for a bus. It's very strange. But that's fine. Uh, pop my head in the, the, uh, the history center. Uh, there you can't even get, like, they have a gift shop, but it's not nearly as nice as the art museum's gift shop. Um, and again, I didn't want to pay 10 bucks to, I mean, that's like 10 bus ride helps. To, <laughs> sorry, shouldn't joke. Um, anyway, on the return trip, I swung back past the Capitol to take the photo of the squirrel, because I decided rather than driving and spending a bunch of money to see mountains and things, which are cool, if I'm into nature, I should document the fact that the gray squirrels on the Capitol grounds are orange. They are very definitely gray squirrels, and they look exactly like the gray squirrels here that we have in the Twin Cities metropolitan area, but they're they're rusty. They're not bigger than they're not red squirrels, and they're not like big red squirrels. They are definitely gray squirrels. But instead of being gray, gray squirrels, they are orange gray squirrels. It's very strange. Very odd. The Capitol's very pretty inside, by the way. was able to take a walk through that. So I came home. My super shuttle was scheduled for 2 o'clock. Um, 2.05. Showed up at 2.10. That was great. Um, now, those of you who fly can tell me if this is normal or not. I had a flight scheduled for 5.45. I'm on the 210 Super Shuttle to get out to the Denver International Airport because I have been told that the security lines there are long and bad and you need to you know, allow yourself plenty of extra time. So I'm on the shuttle and I get the... Super cool. Delta was very good about this. Um, I got the text and the phone call and the email and the everything that said that my flight was delayed until 640. Okay, so I've got plenty of time. I missed, in all the chaos of receiving that, basically at the same time came messages that, oh, actually it's delayed until um, 7.05. But what I did get was the next message that said, you know, really, it's actually delayed until 8.14. Which would have me landing here somewhere around 11.30, which is, you know, having the friend pick me up because Ruth doesn't like driving at the airport because she's smart and just doesn't like the chaos of the airport. It's a pain to drive in, in and around the airport. Don't blame her. Um, it's one thing to say, hey, can you pick me up at you know 8.30 or whatever. It's another thing to say, hey, can you pick me up at 11.30. It's different. But the Delta app on my iPhone had a little thing that popped up and said, would you like to rebook onto this flight, the 345 flight? So I'm in the shuttle about 10 minutes out from the airport, it's around 2.35, maybe 2.40. So I decided, you know what? You only live once. Let's roll the dice and see what happens. And I hit the little button and said, yep, go ahead and rebook me. So I went from having hours to spare to having less than an hour to get off the shuttle, through security, out to... Um, Concourse C, A, B, and C, and of course Delta flies out of C, um, 
that flight, fortunately, also had been delayed till 4.15, so got there with you know, time to spare, and it worked out fine. And frankly, going home bothers me a whole lot less than flying out to someplace strange, because home, it's kind of like, you know, I am where I'm at, I don't have to be anywhere at a particular time, I want to see my family, but I'll get there. I just have to somehow get east. I'll eventually make it someplace useful. In worst case, I curl up on the floor here. So, um, but that struck me as a little bit. I just, I've never had, other than that really weird um, DC flight experience, which made sense because it was a big snowstorm for them and everything was all messed up. It was just really. It's like, wait, what? How can we take a 5:45 flight and bump it to? Eight fifteen. That's like that's a big difference. But got on the um, that three forty five slash four fifteen flight. Uh, had a very nice conversation all the way home with somebody um, from the University of Minnesota. Actually, so we were talking, kind of debriefing on Educause, and I made it home. So that was my Denver experience. Maybe a longer, more boring travelogue than you thought, but uh, if you have any similar flight-related experiences or conference experiences or stuff, go ahead and share them. 206-339-3742, listener feedback line, same as always. Uh, let me know what you think. I don't know what next week would be, but I feel like I need to do at least one more episode. Yes, I'm teasing you, I know. Um, but call me and tell me what episode 200 should be. There's your task. Go ahead and do that. Let me know what you think. Tell me what you want to hear in, in episode 200 of the Aircast. And until next week, take care. Thanks for listening to the Aircast from Aircast.com. Visit us at www.aircast.com.